Are you a small business owner or are you thinking about becoming one? Does the legal side of things like incorporating and contracts seem daunting? Do you just wish you could ask an attorney for help without paying huge hourly rates? I know when I started my business, it was really daunting about all the different issues that were facing me on this side and having someone to go to and talk to or someone that I would know that would know what they were talking about would have been really helpful. And we are excited to tell you about a big opportunity to do just that coming up in December. Attorney Andrea Sager, a small business specialist and the founder of TheLegalpreneur.com is a hosting a comprehensive five-day challenge for a flat fee of $19, just $19. What is the five-day Legalpreneur Challenge? It is an opportunity for our community of small business entrepreneurs to get legally protected and prepared for exponential growth in a new year for only $19. December 6th through 10th is a challenge week featuring one legal training video sent each morning, one live support call each afternoon, one downloadable guide for each evening, and a community to support you through the legal anxieties that all entrepreneurs face. This is a group of people that you have access to that I wish I had when I was starting my business, and this is a great way of getting access to that for only $19. Each day, the challenge will target the most intimidating areas of the law that are often overlooked by small business entrepreneurs. Daily topics include entity formation, contracts, trademarks, copyrights, and creating an annual legal review checklist. And five free downloadable guides are included. Challenge Week is also supplemented by a five-day Legalpreneur Challenge course that organizes all of the content in one place, forever accessible by Challenge Week participants. So even if you go through this whole process and you need to be able to get access to this afterwards, there's a easy to go to location to find it. All of this for the one-time price of $19. And when you use our affiliate link at thecontractvault.com slash ref slash the MMCast, labeled, labeled, somewhere around my head, or by clicking the link in the description to this episode, your help support this show, uh, and, and we super appreciate it. Get your business handled. Thanks so much for checking this out, and enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the Masters of Modern. I'm your host, Alex Kessler, here with uh, a lovely guest and current today co-host, Carson Massey. Hello. How are you? And welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. It's good to be back. Uh, Yeah. Been, you know, working hard, recuperating from Vegas. Uh, Got some light sniffles. Nothing serious, thankfully. Yep, same, uh, almost, same. Almost like masks do something. Isn't and, that weird? Uh, yeah, I, I, I was lucky to be triple vaccinated by Vegas and wore masks throughout the experience. And it ends up that uh, they work because uh, uh, there's definitely one individual that was publicly like, you know, ended up getting tested positive post fact. Uh, and I definitely uh, was around that person a few times and I did not get it, uh, nor did anyone else that we were with because we were all vaccinated. So, yeah, that's right. good news. Um, yep. happy, so happy <laughs> about that. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I remember last time you had, to, you had to isolate a little bit extra. That was not an experience that anybody wants to recreate correct uh it was it's also been like both christmas and thanksgiving were big exposure moments last year so we missed both of those holidays so this year like right before thanksgiving that happening i was like this is not happening again god this is god the damn. worst <laughs> Luckily, uh, there are like over-the-counter tests now, so it's not like, oh, I found out on Wednesday before Thanksgiving that this random person at the office's mom has it, so we all have to mm-hmm. quarantine. And then yep. 
wait till like the next Monday when the testing facility was back open because of the holiday. This was just like you got I got the test and I tested every day for five days and then I was fine, uh, as was all the other people that were in that moment. So, yay! but less scary things, more happy things. Vegas was lit. Vegas was regardless. Uh, Um, Worth it. Looking forward to uh, possibly more events next year. Yes, for sure. I like. I mean, I've heard I, rumors, but nothing concrete. Oh, yeah. I, well, this was obviously a just blatantly a successful show, right? Each event sold out five days before the show happened. The command zone sold out like yep. now this is like there's grains of salt and like the first shows back are always going to be more popular than like the random ones. Like if they were to do a tournament in Cleveland, like it's not going to be as popular as the first tournament right, back yeah, yeah. in Vegas where like. This was still like a, somewhere between a half and a quarter the size of the last time they had Magic Fest Vegas. Right, right. And like, but, but like still like compared to <clears throat> compared to what they were expecting, uh, Channel Fireball was so thrilled with the performance that they comped all of the judges and staff for an, an extra day's work. Wow. I didn't know that. Like, That's awesome. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So. Uh, clearly, Channel Fireball was um, their e- expectations were exceeded. And I think they uh, also I, they also have like yeah. a good basis for comparing how this Vegas event will do to other events due to the fab events kind of doing the same thing. Right. They did like a big yeah. coming out party. This is in Las Vegas event in September. And then I've mm-hmm. done one in Cincinnati. <clears throat> and I think one in like another state. But yes, so they like that's a percentage take on like this is how much this event's going to do in these locations. This is how much right. it did here. And I would expect Channel Fireball events to have a really good uh, finger on the pulse of how good re- uh, events would do relative to different locations. Yes, yeah, Since yeah, they've yeah. been doing this for a decade to three years, decades. So, yeah, decades, somewhere between ten to fifteen like years. Yeah, I, I do yeah. think. Well, it's it's weird too, right? Like Indiana, we we went to Gen Con and it was packed, and it was packed in the weird way because no one cares about vaccines or masks there. Right. So that 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 was a whole yeah. extra layer versus Vegas, which like had its own issues. And so I do think there's like a yeah. weird level. Yeah, I feel like uh, having to get the negative test pre-uploaded. What mm-hmm. could have been tied to the. Uh, event location or the venue rather than CFB events because they didn't really seem to do anything with that. Oh, I don't know. As far as I know where we, where we had to upload proof of our vaccine status, like the week leading up to the event. Yeah. 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 I mean, they checked, did they not check yours every day you were going in? I might've got the bracelet. Right. And then, Right, but like you just showed your vaccine status at the door anyway to get that bracelet. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yes. I I'm think... not sure what the whole hoopla about like get pre-checked so you don't have to wait in line and then get it checked again when you get there. I think uh, they I were worried based on how it had sold that. Well, we all like you didn't play in the modern event, right? Uh, or like you didn't play in any of the events, right? So like none of the constructed competitive events. No. So I'm assuming you weren't there like 8 a.m. on Thursday morning or Friday morning. 
Nope. So I think that is my guess when that was actually relevant. Like, I think if you were playing in the event where everyone had to show up at the exact same time to be able at your table for deck registration, that's the moment where having your vaccine pre-listed and not having to wait in a line to do that process was going to be more valuable versus that's true and fair um, versus otherwise. I also think like in some ways this event was planned in a way that like, oh, we're expecting it to be busier, super busy. So let's make plans. And I think in some ways it wasn't that. And I think that was maybe one of the ways they're like, oh, this is a very, very public way that we know that if it's busy could be a problem. Let's think about how to deal with it ahead of time. That's fair. Um, versus any 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 other any other, you know, other thing that could have happened, be it how much staff they had or spacing or how much space they designated towards commander, which is a whole other conversation, which is kind of what we're going to be talking about later today. Um, but yes, I do think I do think I mean, I agree with other people where I just think it just should be mandatory. I think there's an argument that mandatory plus test recently is not a bad idea, but because I have had the vaccine since as soon as it was possible to have the vaccine for me, I do not know what the process is of getting the test in like an early status way. To show you have proof of a test, because I assume you can't use like the Binax over the counter stuff. You have to do something. No, I think uh, your Canadian audience would know more about this, but I think you you would just have to like set an appointment at your local Walgreens or equivalent and get the drive through, like stick the thing up your nose and sure. get the test later that day. Got it. Got it. OK, because so they it's... had to get tested. I think they had to get tested coming into the country. I know they had to get tested uh, within 24 hours before returning to Canada. And then they had to get another test when they at least 24 hours after they landed in Canada. Got it. Got it. OK, just to make sure that, like, they're not bringing anything into Canada that wasn't already there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so it's definitely doable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, like a feasible thing. Um, yeah. I. Yeah. Just figuring out what that looks like. Yeah, I think I think that now that kids can be vaccinated, like either mandatory vaccination with like very strict rules on like what counts as a I can't get vaccinated. Right. Like I have yes. a doctor's note saying I have a actual condition that prevents this. Fine. Right. Those you can get those. Yeah. Like there's a reason that as this long, works. As long as that allowance is in place, I have no problem like outright banning people who are not who are willingly unvaccinated at this point. Correct. That that's kind of where From I'm at. I think you much need, I think you need that allowance because there are people that like. Right. Yeah. I got into it with uh, with with a prominent <clears throat> competitive player on Twitter over Thanksgiving break about that. And they were like, well, those people shouldn't be doing X anyway. And I'm like, OK, so they can't do anything. They live in a bubble now because their bodies suck. Like, right, right, that's, right. That's a shitty attitude. And well, I want to make sure, like, as somebody who has some of that running in my family, because we have, like, kidney disease leads to uh, immunosuppressant drugs. So that is the thing that, like, hits kind of close to home is, like, you know, just take that into account. Anybody who's willingly unvaccinated, screw them. We don't need them at our events or in our spaces or in our faces or anything like that. Yeah, it, yeah. it kind of where, like... I think we're at a point where this is endemic, right? Especially with what's oh, going 100%. on with the Omicron, whatever. And so I think you want to build structures that are more. And this is my thought the whole time. Like, I think one of my biggest complaints during the whole thing is the way schools were handled was a like 
a duct taped like everyone that was in charge was hoping that this would just go back to normal next week throughout the entire yeah. pandemic and it was never next week it was never right it was until right like and so like part of the problem was that every small fiefdom was let was allowed to handle it in their own way or not handle it in mm-hmm. any way mm-hmm. which means that some people did a really good job and were like go home hang out on your computers for six months and we'll figure it out from there and some people were like this isn't a thing that we're going to worry about. So just go back to school. Yeah, right. And there was no like there was no investment into structures that would have made that whole process more feasible, be it like, you know, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, there was a lot of people that were let go from other positions. Can we figure out a way to hire some of those people so that we can have like hybrid school models where teachers are teaching smaller groups of people through Zoom or like, oh, there's parts of the country where there's a teacher with a class of six people, and there's parts of the country where the teacher has 36 people. Schools no longer have to be based on the location you live in. But that takes a significant coordination from federal people to be able to figure that out. And no one was planning on figuring this out in a permanent way. So we're now at a point where there's a lot of this stuff that I think is just a permanent existence. And the ways yeah. that we deal with it need to be more focused on how does this work forever not yeah how i think does this work until everyone's vaccinated because it's not well, happening it's not happening i i will say that like we were talking about and this is like much darker than i planned for this but it's fine <laughs> uh we were talking about um it's a hell of an opening we got here yeah traffic <laughs> in los angeles today because one of our designers who lives in texas which traffic is also bad there was talking about how depressing it is to watch like why traffic happens videos where it's like because one car at the front of a bunch of cars happened to hit their brake a little bit harder so that the person behind them had to hit their brake even harder to not hit them. But like just out of a reaction to the fact that they hit their brake lights then causes the person behind them to stop. And then that chain reactions until a traffic jam happens. And the more cars you have, oh, yeah. the more likely that is to happen. And yep, yep, yep. we were like, oh, well, the answer to that is probably everyone just having self-driving cars. And then we were like, well that's never going to happen because if COVID has taught me anything, it's that the United States has no chance of making progress to solve problems ever again. So there's no drive to collectively solve problems that benefit greater society. Correct. Let's talk about magic Damn. and not sad Let's move things. on to the, the actual topic of the day. So very quickly, uh, this is, um, you know, the, the trivia advertising section of the date. Uh, first off, thank you patrons. Uh, if you, uh, are not a patron, now is your chance to check that out. Uh, we are extending the access to the audio only version of the podcast that has all of the unedited content plus 20 minutes, uh, on average of bonus content, uh, on the patron for just anyone who donates. So any level, check that out. It's super, super appreciated. It makes it how this podcast can happen. We can't do this without you. And plus you get a bonus. Shivam bot just showed up in chat, uh, and in, Invaded the pre-show <laughs> earlier as he was waiting for his show to start. Uh, so Laid if you on want some, thick, some uh, music industry knowledge on us, yes, exactly. So if you want some some back end behind the scenes content, Carson has already swore with swear words like a terrible content creator <laughs> weird it's almost like i'm not a content creator on the regular uh and you get to hear all that in the back end so definitely check that out on patreon.com slash cast also the new schedule for everyone who's watching uh we do this on tuesdays now so the co- podcast comes out every tuesday um on youtube and any podcast app one thing i will say is that uh due to uh kind of the at the end of this summer 
uh, the podcast is no longer on the collected.company website, which is where it used to be uh, with uh, the command zone. Uh, we've kind of not been partnered with them for a while now, but uh, finally that switch happened. So some podcast apps, but not all of them are having a little bit of errors of continuing it. So uh, if you're coming to check this out because you're like, oh, what happened to my podcast? It hasn't updated since October. It's if you just like research for us on your podcast app, we're there. Just check that out and you'll find us. Um, and last but not least, uh, I have trivia for you to ask. And this is how this game works. Uh, I'm going to ask you a piece of trivia. Me Carson, or the audience? Uh, both okay. of you. It's a collective. It's a collective amount of trivia, and uh, the audience and you are going to have to try answering it. And you're making a bet. If you can, if you you're going to take the trivia question, you're going to comment your answer below, and then you're going to uh, wait for Carson to answer. Carson, you're going to him and haw for a second, even if you know the answer already. Okay. You're going to do some. I'm not, not going to. Sw- I'm not going to swear while I'm thinking. No Whether swearing. I know the answer or not. Only hemming and hawing. No swear words. Okay. And then uh, while they comment below, and then and then you're going to answer to the best of your ability. If you get it right, great. If you get it wrong, great. Uh, but everyone below, if you get it wrong, you have to hit that like and subscribe button. That's the rules. I don't make them up. If you Damn. get it right, you, you don't have to hit those things. In fact, if you get it right, I will like your comment. Uh, so that's that's the bet we're making a like for a like. It's that's real a, simple. That's a sweet deal. You get a you get one shiny brand new like from Alex Kessler. All right. Are you are you ready, Carson? I don't know. This is some uh, old, this is some old school knowledge. I'm as ready as I'll ever be, Alex. What card has the highest CMC in alpha and beta? In alpha and beta. Ooh. That's a good question. Do, 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 do. If you want, I can make it a multiple choice question, but it will cost everyone an extra like. <laughs> <laughs> um, you have to I go think find the... some other video we've made and go like it after this video is done. <laughs> you have to sub- subscribe to Alex's other podcast that he's going to make. Just... Well, there is there is the Kess Gabe's YouTube channel, which is where we post. Oh, all well, of there the... you go. I guess I guess actually, yes, uh, you have to go look up the Battle Bosses YouTube channel. Look up Doc's Collision yes. Breakdown. You got to go subscribe there, too. If you if you, you want have this to, for you have to learn how to play Battle Bosses by yeah, watching. There is a how to play video there. So we'll link that below in the description. Uh, so anyway, I think the only way I get this right is if you give me multiple choice. So right, let's do that. So Shivan Dragon. OK, Sea Serpent. Personal Incarnation or Lord of the Pit? Let's see. I know that Lord of the Pit, I'm pretty confident it's a nine mana nine nine, which is greater than both Sea Serpent and Shivan Dragon. Um, I'm going to go with Lord of the Pit over personal incarnation that that is correct. Lord of the Pit is the most expensive card uh, not in dollar value, but in mana value. Uh, Highest in, mana value of any in, in the first two sets. That was it. That was the the big one, big demony boy. Nice. Uh, congr- uh, yeah. Now I'm gonna look up personal incarnation. Personal incarnation, man, that is a mess of a magic card. Uh, yes, it is three white, 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 six, six. Summon avatar. Caster can redirect any or all damage done to personal incarnation to their self instead. The source of the damage is unchanged. If personal incarnation is destroyed, the caster loses half or his half his or her remaining life points rounded up to the loss. 
if you had asked me, does this card exist before this trivia question was written, I would have not known. If I wasn't looking at that card while you were reading it, I would have forgotten what it did by the end of you reading it. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 uh, you can pay zero. The next one damage that would be the, the errata it is zero. The next one damage that would be dealt to personal incantation. This turn is dealt to the owner instead. Only personal incantations owner may activate this ability when it dies. Its owner loses half of his or her life rounded up. Uh, that is a card from Alpha and Beta. Uh, did I know that before? No. Do we, we all know that now? Yes. Uh, it's a rare so not legal in in artisan, sadly. <laughs> I challenge one person to find a paper copy of that card and put it in a commander deck that you own already. All right, it's been. Ch- I challenge. Well, I don't. I don't think it's modern legal. Otherwise, I would challenge. <laughs> I doubt that very much. Uh, no, yeah. The last time it was printed was fourth edition. The artwork is cool, though. It's like a cool fire warrior just blasting his way through things. Kev Brockschmidt has done four cards in all of Magic. Wow. Including Keldon Warlord. It's probably his best-known card. Okay, okay. So anyway, we have completed the trivia section I hope of everyone, the podcast. I hope everyone has paid their comments, likes, subscribes, uh, etc. So today, uh, we're going to go on a small you gotta pay. You got to pay the one. You got to pay the one. Uh, and in, in the spirit of paying the one. So there, there's this vibe. Uh, of of and a lot of these people are my friends. In fact, uh, one of them may have made a guest appearance earlier in this podcast during the patron only section. Uh, there's I a wish vibe. he had stuck around for this actual discussion. I know, I know. That it would have been, been really, fun. really interesting uh, slash more stressful. Mm. Uh, there is a vibe of co- from consecrators and the internet in general. I think this is a is a held sentiment uh, that like magic over the last three years has kind of moved away from their version of what magic should be. And this, you see it in modern with horizon sets and post war, the spark power levels. You see this in commander with like, you know, there's a opinion that any card printed after the commander precons were printed is bad news. And going back to that era before that is what I wish magic was or commander was, was still, um, you kind of see that attitude with a little bit of like the negative opinion towards, I think, CDH in general. Um, you have that kind of it's like a little bit of a like get off my lawn vibe to it uh, that I have the specific opinions on. But uh, Carson, you're here to join because I think you have a relatively neutral opinion. Like you're kind of in the middle of all of it where a I think, well, I'm going to let you speak for yourself. But uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of what we're talking about. We're talking about. I'm going to refer to it as boomerism <laughs> in regards to magic design. Uh, Cause I do think it, on the other end, in the spirit of simplifying it down into a term so that we can discuss it for a podcast, we can call it boomerism in magic. Yes. And, and I do think, I do think there is a level, you know, uh, there's the reverse end, right? Like I was talking to uh, Sam Lewis uh, yesterday and uh, <laughs> while we were filming a battle boss promo video. And, you know, from his perspective, like his favorite version of magic commander has been, just opening some of the more recent pre-cons and battling them against each other. And like all of these yep. new cards are really cool to him. <laughs> and like, you know, he's 23, uh, I think. And like, or maybe 24. I think something he's 24. like that. Yeah, he's yeah, something super like that baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so his like, you know, he grew up in the magic world in a world where Arena was something that was either very soon on the horizon or out. And yep. looks at a lot of this kind of new stuff as just like A, the status quo, and B, stuff that's cool and new and exciting versus mm. other stuff. So 
I've said a lot. Now it's your turn. <laughs> yeah. So uh, in Commander, especially, there was this phase that started. Uh, you can argue exactly when it started. Um, some might point to Smothering Tithe in Ravnica Allegiance. Some might point to War of the Spark. Uh, but general consensus is like first half of 2019 uh, was when they introduced fire design. And a lot of people have said a lot of uh, really negative words. A lot of ink has been spilled criticizing fire design for ruining almost all of competitive magic mm -hmm. or constructed magic, including commander and most competitive formats. You know, that led to a lot of like blah blah simic general value decks pre Ravnica, like Tatiova was a boogeyman. And now we have like Uro and AC and all this other blue green X garbage um floating around. And my opinion is early twenty nineteen until like Strixhaven of this year was Somewhere early this year was when they kind of figured out or started releasing cards where they figured out that like, hey, this is kind of a lot. <laughs> Maybe we should back <laughs> off a little bit. But the same I mean, at the same time, someone did like release a graph that there is about 33 percent more cards were printed in 2021 than ever any other year in magic history. Yes. Uh, so that is another problem. But part of that is that they're they're releasing five standard sets this year, like what would have been the winter set right. in early 2021 was Midnight Hunt, which was just released a couple weeks ago now. So like there is an extra set of 250, 300 well, odd cards. And and the Forgotten and Realms modern... was a full core set that instead of a core set had exclusively new cards and yep. you had a Modern Horizon set. And even yeah. if you want to encounter like the Time Spot Remaster set, that set was moved wasn't supposed to come out this year. Right. right. Like that was you, supposed to be late 2019. That was supposed to be was like that? it was supposed to be the draft set alongside Jumpstart. Like it was supposed to be, I think, that summer. Oh summer it 2020. Was Double Masters was supposed to be uh TSR, I think. Yeah, and then Double Master was supposed to be the winter set that like was supposed to be the draftable. Yeah, and then that like alongside commit. Yes, so there's like there's like a lot of stuff that was shifted around. Yeah, so like it's weird. There's definitely fair complaints about the amount of product that has been released, but in terms of the effects of the cards themselves, um, there were definitely a lot of uh, what I would call problematic cards that were released from 2019 through early 2021. Um, I hate coma. I think it's a mistake that it can target lands. Sure. Sure. Uh, for as an example, um, but like starting in Kaldheim, there were definitely a lot fewer dumb cards that people complain about. Um, Strixhaven ha was mostly fair. There was like the Liliana, and the other two drop that go infinite with um see that discard spell that stuff no, but, like, doesn't that's, that's like, not a thing that happened so whatever well it's also it's also like randomly wizards prints cards that accidentally go infinite with some other weird card from back in the day all the time that's not a new fire design thing that's is, been happening right. 
it is inevitable when there's 23,000 unique magic cards over the course of 28 and a half years. And like, I don't want wizards to be sitting there being like, oh, we have this really fun, cool mechanic idea. But because in 2004, we printed a card that goes infinite with it. So I guess we won't do this cool mechanic idea. Sounds like. Yeah. That's the darker timeline. <laughs> yeah. The the like, timeline where Wizards Kaldheim, is... Or not Kaldheim. That's how you get Ixalan. Like, Mono Red is the only competitive deck in all of Standard for three years. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. But yeah, so like Kaldheim had Coma, for example. Uh, Strixhaven was pretty tame. Forgotten Realms and Innistrad sets have been mostly pretty tame. There's a couple... Uh, there's a couple cards that would concern me on someone else's battlefield, but overall, they've definitely dialed back um, and made cards a lot more fair. There's a whole lot of effects that only trigger once per turn. There's a whole lot of stuff that you can only do at sorcery speed. And uh, while there was a lot of complaining about how powerful cards were in 2019 and 2020, now people are complaining about how fair all the cards are. And how you can't go infinite with a ham sandwich and whatever new blood artist variant. Right, right. And that's that's kind of where I think that's the worst situation. The fact that like I'm not motivated to own a Val card makes me sad. <laughs> where like, yes, it, the, the opposite uh, of, of having a bunch of cards that are too good is, is always going to be like. Like maybe problematic. Like I don't know. Decks change. I, I don't. I don't think I'm, there was ever an era where someone was like, "All right, my modern deck, my commander deck. I've built it, and I'm never going to change it." Yeah, <laughs> I like don't uh, think that's existed. I like there is an inevitable pendulum of of power. Like we got Urza Saga back in the '90s, and then we got Prophecy. Right. Can you name me a second card from the set prophecy after Ristic Study? Uh, there are spell shapers in that set. <laughs> I can tell yes, you that there's correct. a mechanic that I like. <laughs> Don't hate. Um, uh, well, yeah, like, and and I, but I think prophecies, like the prophecies of the world, are the ones in the long run that are more behated. Right. Like people don't have favorite cards from prophecy other than the Ristic study, which people hate, which, which people hate. Yeah. <laughs> like people have favorite cards from War of the Spark through Ikoria. Like uh, every set of those sets, I like can name cards that I've loved playing with. Mm -hmm. Some of them I don't always, you know, I got sick of playing against them. But like even my favorite eras of magic, like. I love Stoneforge Mystic. A lot of people love Stoneforge Mystic. I would say most people actually pretty are pretty happy with Stoneforge Mystic. But there was an era where everyone hated Stoneforge Mystic because it was the standard boogeyman. And that's true of every fairies player I've ever met who's trying to still make it happen because they're trying to live that Shadow More dream where that was just the best deck in the format. And that play style is super fun if you're it's good enough. But when it's not good enough, it's not fun. <laughs> so, like, it, I think there's out. <laughs> I think it's good when cards are powerful. I like I would rather Hall Breachers and Okos exist and then have to ban them. But then we get cool cards out of those environments than not. And I agree with that. Uh, part of the problem is that while they really juice the hell out of a lot of sets for two years and change, they seemed to not show the same gusto for banning cards. Well, but like we, we know the RC doesn't want to ban cards if they don't absolutely have to. So that's a whole other thing. 
I'm glad they moved on Hole Breacher. I hate Hole Breacher. I hate cards <laughs> like Hole Breacher. Yes. Well, that one that one's egregious. That one's specifically egregious to me because there's like very obvious phrasing that you could have changed on that card. Yeah, yeah, to... yeah. Um, and then uh, I think Blake, who's like, you know, company spokesman. So, uh, quote, Blake said, oh, we've recognized that like card draw is too powerful. So we printed this card to nerf card draw. And it's like, you can make less powerful card draw so that you don't have to make this card, Blake. Well, no, I mean, in their defense, though, in Commander, you can't. Like, I, I do think, like, like, right. you've kind of said, I mean, I, if I was God of the Universe in Commander, I would just ban more cards. Uh, I, like, I wouldn't be heavy, heavy-handed with it, but there's definitely cards that are out there that I'm like, Thassa's Oracle should have just been banned, right? Like, that. that's a card that, like, it, like, and I, I do think there are some other ones. I think there's other cards that, like, Honestly, in the long run, it's favored not having banned them. Like they've become less relevant over time, which I think is also fine. The fact that um, Blinky McBoatman, uh, yep, I'm right there. Uh, Soul Bond, Dead Eye Navigator, Dead Eye Navigator is like not a staple of the format anymore. I and mean, at one point, it was maybe the most busted card around. Is like pointing towards the format can self correct itself. Yep. That also is true of just like cards becoming more powerful. Yeah. I think I think there are like if you're not if if Wizards is looking at Commander and Modern and other formats from the perspective of we want to mitigate bannings as much as we possibly can. The other solution to that, on the other hand, is we want to print cards that fight the problems of those formats so we don't have to ban cards. Like if I if I can make a metagame where this so effect saying- isn't good print a lot more silver bullet type cards you mean well but the problem with like silver bullet cards in commander like, a i think this is something that did happen i think this partially happened because of uh best of one design for for magic arena right like mm-hmm. they started printing main deckable hate they had to to make arena work you started like that's why like all of those double face cards were like one side effect that's generically good all the time and one very 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 powerful hate card Right, like let exile all graveyards and do damage to how much uh, this card doesn't exist, but like do damage to how much cards you exiled, or make a two two for two. Worst case scenario, this is always make a two two for two. You can play this in your main deck, black red aggro deck. But then when you play against the dredge list, that when we were doing pre testing, the black red aggro deck couldn't beat to save its life. Especially in best in one, you know have a great, you know have a hate card in in your deck and sideboard. So now you don't matter. have to, you don't have to, you don't have to put Tormod's script in your list. That's only relevant against five percent of the of the field. Right, that in, in completely your, hoses you. Correct, and like in your main deck that you because you're only going to ever play one game against these decks, and that's like what the power of flip cards for that whole year was about. Right, was that it was a lot of this card does one thing or another thing. So I have, it I was, have. It was kind of funny how high people were especially when they were first revealed in zendikar and they were half lands and everybody was like you play every single one in every deck you ever make for the rest of your life and i'm like look me eye contact look me in the face if you're excited about spike field hazard like show me Uh, all the lists where you're playing lava dart have you seen Charbelcher in Modern? That deck exists <laughs> and is like good. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. Like Goblin Charbelcher 
is less of a meme than it used to be. But like when you're in commander circles and people are excited about about Lava Dart, well, miss me well, with that. So so yes, like Lava Dart isn't the card that's off play, but the black, the one mana black, uh, whenever a creature dies, bring it back into play is a staple in yeah. every format it's in, right? Oh yeah, you yeah. Have, you have like a lot of the cards were powerful on their face. Well, and but that card, they're... that card is in every limited set. Like the amount of one mana black cards that protect a creature by having it come back into play that have never seen play even in limited <laughs> is high but that card because it is attached to a land because it is a free card that you're getting to play that late game draws you value is good lot spike dart is an example of the opposite side of that effect where just that wasn't good enough but i think like right. but that was kind of my point is that you had to actually evaluate the cards and not just say it's an effect staple to a land, so it's always good in every deck that can play this sure, color. Sure, sure, sure. Which sure, was sure. what a lot of people and a lot of content creators were saying when those cards were previewed. And I think, I like, think like there because there's a ton of them that are great, and there's a ton of them that aren't playable, right? There's the elephant three two landfall, and there is the like five mana three two rogue that has menace or whatever, right? Like, yes, there are cards that were made for limited with that mechanic that weren't. I, yeah. I think what's actually really interesting about the double-sided cards more than anything is because it went like Zendikar was like, we did it right. There's a ton of them. They're all unique. They all like a version of this card has seen play in every format in magic. And none there's of them a are wide problematic. Gamut. There's a wide gamut from bad card that you're okay with in limited and good card that you run in your constructed decks and none of them are egregious problems that we have to think about later. Right. Like, I, I think the double-faced land cards are the best design from Magic in the last five years. Five years. Wow. Um, not double-faced choose, not MDFCs. Like, I, I think there's a different conversation when it comes to the creature gods and the, the creature spells. But just specifically the lands. the lands. Yes. Um, I don't have enough information to fight that. So yeah, that's fine. I'll I mean, allow it. So, so, so the mechanics that have, uh, affected the world of magic since then, right? Like, like not specific formats, nothing spe specific companion, which controversial. <laughs> we'll, we'll circle back to that. Uh, you have, um, adventure. Uh, which is probably the second of these, but also relatively un unhappied with, I think, from people. Um, but maybe the second best of these would be the one I would I would maybe be able to be argued is 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 good. You have static ability planeswalkers. Mistake. Widely regarded as a mistake. <laughs> um, uh, caused a lot of uh, play pattern errors and problems and memory issues and yeah yeah just like ignoring. Just on a like, is this a easy to play with mechanic? No lessons were learned. Add the layer that like Ashok, Teferi, and Narset between the three of them had made <laughs> magic collectively worse. Between those three, they're like <laughs> those and Karn are like the four most widely played, and they're the ones that wreck your opponents the most and yeah, like, actually cause. <laughs> Yeah, the fact that Ashiok problems. is probably the fairest of those four and is also just kind of miserable to play against or with is <sighs> saying a lot. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah, so like, and then Karn was uh, caused restricted and let let us be banned and restricted in vintage. Yeah, they're cool though. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, even but even those cards, I think I like. Uh, yeah, I, I I really liked the flip lands. I think like. 
Yeah. I, I think, think flip lands were the most net positive on magic. Honestly, I think if they just returned to allies being back in exactly how they were in the first Zendikar set, where it was like, I, I understand that they used every idea that exists <laughs> for allies. And that's one of the problems is like, there's only so many effects you can put on a bunch of creatures that when a creature of that type enters the battlefield thing happens. And they, they tried to recreate the, the feeling of allies while alluding forward to with rally, the, right. A D and D set with party. Well, yeah, yeah. So, 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 Allies went into the second allies, which had a rally, which is better because it affects all things, but worse because it's looser to me, right? Like you don't have to play with allies to play with this thing. So then why play with allies? So it's just like more of like a weird enter the battlefield effect that generally is like slightly benefited. I like the restriction of having allies. And then that went into co not cohort. What's the like tap two things. It's the oath of the break oath of the gate watch ally mechanic. Cohort. Cohort. It was cohort. Tap, I said it right. tap it. Tap an untapped ally you control for an effect. Yeah. Yeah. That was and just not good. <laughs> That's a bad they, Yeah, they all look real medium. Um, uh but we all know what Battle for Zendikar block was known for. Uh Eldrazi mana, the best part. <laughs> We're not gonna talk about a bunch of other I, messy things. I I I'm glad wingdings exist. Um, um, yeah, that's so all I'll say. About I, like, that. I think Eldrazi winner is another example. I think Eldrazi winner. Actually, I think every problem, not every problem with battle for Zendikar. I think a lot of the problems with the battle for Zendikar block gets fixed by moving Wingdings to battle for Zendikar and not Oath of the Gatewatch and making it the main mechanic of the set of the block. A, it's splashy. We've had this conversation on the podcast, I guess, for new listeners. Uh, for those who don't and for know, new me, for, for, for Carson, uh, for those who don't know, even who weren't playing back then, uh, there is a uh, a sixth color of magic. It's called Wing Ding Mana. It looks like a little diamond. It's the symbol for colorless spells. It is also something that the Eldrazi that follow Kozilek, uh, who's one of the big Eldrazi titans, uh, who showed up in the second set of the Battle for Zendikar block, use as a mana cost to do things. And uh, because this existed, they were able to print Eldrazi that were a little bit more efficient because you needed lands that tapped for colorless to play. Mm-hmm. Obsessively making them a new color, which made them hard to play in any deck. But at the same time, they had not yet banned Eye of Ugin, a card that makes all Eldrazi colorless spells cost two less. And they had it, done very little to hamstring the Tron deck that was already quite prominent in modern. Well, no, no, no. So Tron at the time wasn't the main. Now Tron is the main deck that does this because it's the only one that can make like four mana conveniently and wants colorless spells. At the time, this was a it was a it was a red blue deck, a uh, a Saltai deck, and then a Bant deck was eventually the best one. And all of them are just like playing zero mana two ones that turned into when you played a two mana four four that Thossies your opponent, Thought Not Seer, you got to turn all those two ones into four fours and swing with them with haste on turn two. It was dumb. It was Eldrazi Winter is one of the like, but but part of that was caused because they printed Oath of the Gatewatch and Pro Tour. Oath of the Gatewatch was a modern pro tour followed by three high profile modern GPs that did not have a banning restricted announcement between before that pro tour happened and the next set. <laughs> and so this card and and I don't think Wizards should ever 
Like, look at Lutri, right? Pre-banning a card is a very controversial decision, and Lutri makes sense on every version of paper that you look at, other than the fact that they happen to make it the cute lightning otter. <laughs> right, uh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. It should have been, like, a weird yeah. spider or something no if one you, likes. If you swapped the text boxes for Lutri and Umori, you can't even yeah. think of what Umori looks like. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No one would care. Yeah, the world would be a better place. Yeah, yes. agreed. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So that's 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 for for new and 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 uh newer players. That's that's the set the setting. So Battle for Zendikar, which was the first set of the block, focused on a mechanic called processors, which is a weird you exile your opponent stuff and then you use other cards to remove XL and it sucks. <laughs> and yeah, then it you, was you have to exile stuff and then return it to their graveyard or their hand for minor benefits. Yes, and it's like a weird fiddling mechanic. It's cool. It's fine. It just like it. It reads cool, but it it always plays mediocre. Right. The only people who care about it are the Eldrazi players in Commander who really want what's the word that says Eldrazi are colorless? Devoid. D- they, yeah, they want Devoid to have meaning in the color identity discussion of Commander, which. It's not going to doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. So so yeah. But, like, so, those are the only people who play processors. And, so so they like did this the first set, which is the return to battle for Zendikar. It's the third return we've ever done. It's one of the most popular magic sets of all time. And it doesn't feel like the magic set you go to. The ally mechanic is extremely nerfed, not nerfed, but made like messier, as we described already. And the Eldrazi are there, which people weren't that big of a fan of in general. They were kind of a fan of them, and it is one of the beloved draft formats by heavy drafters, but not the public. And their mechanic is super fiddly as well. So it's this like very weird fiddly set with not a lot of popular, and they had to like heavily nerf uh, uh, landfall because fetch lands were in the format because it was right after Khan's block. Then the next set, they come up with Magic Sixth Color, <laughs> which should be the biggest thing that's in Magic, and they can do cool leaked. stuff. It, and it got, got leaked, leaked like yeah, a month yeah. before the set, before previews started properly. So, so my version of the world, if I once again, I'm captain of everything, uh, was to make winding mana, make the Eldrazi mana, have Kozilek show up first, because that was the thing. They're like, but the story doesn't make sense because Kozilek shows up as the second act. Like, just switch them. <laughs> why? Why you is that the, the way the story happens? You make the or or give Kozilek a third mechanic and make just Devoid and Eldrazi mana. The same thing because Devoid is fine. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Like, put, I agree. Put Wingding Mana in the first set. You could have done cool stuff like Tri Lands, but one of them is colorless. Or you could have done Fetch Lands that find Waste or Mountain, Waste or Island that are like good with Fetch Lands, but aren't like good with Dual Lands instead of having du- like, there's so many things you could. Or if all the Battle Lands were like Battle Lands, but were, were Island, Forest, Waste. And like mountain swamp waste, like that's like a cool thing you could have done. Then the modern pro tour isn't attached to the set that this mechanic that they like preemptively are like, oh yeah, Ivugan's probably a problem. Uh, <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of like, oh, we have six months of modern, not not mattering, but not being the high profile version of the format with pro players figuring it out to allow people to figure out, oh, these cards are probably too good together, and then. Before the modern pro tour, be like, oh, we banned Ayavugan because that card's broken with all these Eldrazi. And then everyone's happy. But that's not the world we live in. So mistakes happen. But but I guess my point here on all of this is I like when Wizards tries to do cool stuff. Yeah. As the a moral of the sentence. All formats are better when Wizards is willing to try cool things. And then at least with formats that they actively manage, 
they continue to actively manage those formats instead of saying like, eh, Ayavukin's probably a problem. Good luck, modern players. <laughs> right, right. They like actually eventually <laughs> reacted to it. Well, that kind of brings me to like. A, I don't think there's any like the. The complaint of I like how Commander was back in the day. Hey, you guys that are playing it now are playing it wrong. Just like always reeks of like gatekeepy attitudes. Anytime you're oh, yeah. like the 100%. nostalgic of the past needs to be locked in the past. And I don't want anything to take advantage of it in the future. It either reads to me like all of the people harassing like all of the new Star Wars movies to like or like just like the gatekeepy levels of fandom that can exist which is like no i don't want you hanging out in my format like one one thing that was like kind of sad was i was sitting with shivam and uh two wizards employees and a few other people in vegas and the conversation got to the point of like the state of commander and from the some of the people we were with the statement was oh we think the greatest threat to commander is the power level conversation like right now, the power level of commander is so hard for people to deal with. And the the conversation around it is so loud that it's we think it's this massive issue. And and like I am willing to say that I'm biased on the subject matter as a content creator who people are at Grand Prix excited to play magic with. And so just excited to do whatever they want. But I and I definitely sat in games where like I was out power leveled by someone or I was out power leveling people. I it didn't feel like a problem to me yeah i feel like on the aggregate commander is in a pretty healthy spot um i think the biggest issue is people's unwillingness to uh to take some responsibility for themselves for mm -hmm. the power level of whatever they want to be doing or whatever they want to be around right. um because a lot of people, a lot of magic players just lack the, uh, let's say, emotional tools to properly assess what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And that's and that's um, where I'm at on the ban list conversation, right? Is like there's a lot of talk of like, oh, you can just have a c adult conversation with people to not deal with it. I'm like, you kind of can do that. <laughs> or there's only so many cards like. I always kind of like point like honestly, I think the more banned or the more like insanely powerful commanders there are, the better. And not the better, but the like less of a I don't think commanders that are too powerful are a problem. Right? Like I think so, like people talk about like bring banned as a commander back. And to me, I actually don't think commanders are the easiest thing for me to rule zero. If you sit across the table from me with a turgrid, I could be like, oh, I don't want to play against that. Yeah, I could. Yeah, exactly. It's the most visible part of the deck before you start the game, before you engage in this. You know, there is a degree of commitment when you start a game. So if you if you sit down to a game, say against a Turgor deck, and they play Grave Pact or whatever, you're like, oh, I don't like Grave Pact. You knew what you were sitting what, down. To, yeah, yeah. What do you think was going to happen? You're right. Like versus someone sits at the table with their like whatever commander. Well, but well then no, like, I mean, like if you, if you see a card halfway, if you're 45 minutes oh, into yeah. a game and someone drops a card that you don't like, like, what do you do about it? Right. What are right. the tools available to you? But if it's a commander like Turgrid, for example, you can be like, I don't want to play that. Do you have right. something else that we can play? Or should I just like go somewhere else? I can right. go play around a modern, for example. And and like. 
or I like, am I supposed to have a spreadsheet that I like, like here's the 70 cards that I don't want to play against. Are any of these in your deck? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I guess I have Ristic Study. Oh, I guess I do have Smothering Tithe. Like those are just generic staple or I have, you know, Force of Will. I have a counterspell in my deck. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> <It's> um, like... <laughs> in the in the RC Discord, there's a bit of discussion today about like uh, pregame discussions about stuff that can completely shut down your deck mm-hmm. So like rest uh, if you're pl- if you're playing yeah rest in peace like if you're playing for example a hypothetical medium lower powered marin deck mm-hmm. might say hey i please like lighter on the graveyard interaction right you know if someone windmill slams a turn zero ley line of the void you're probably going to be like, all right, have fun. I'll see you later. Right, right. Like, or, and we did this on I Hate Your Decks, like, uh, pre we had the pre conversation with Becky, and, uh, Joe has a Clothis deck that's like a land destruction deck, whatever, which that part of the deck I was fine with, but it was like, oh, I'm playing a Luris deck, and she's playing a Plark Reanimator deck, and you just having <laughs> Clothis in the command zone is going to make it so neither of these decks do anything. <laughs> right, yeah. So they're, uh, the, certainly, as you get into like CDH, there's a lot less of like, oh, please don't interact with my game plan. Like that's, you know, not part of that conversation. But if you're playing casual, dirtily decks, like it's perfectly reasonable to say, hey, I would like to be able to actually play this game. Right, right. Are you playing the mono board wipes deck? Please don't do that. I think that that's, right. that's fair. I do think. Well, th- like bringing up CDH, this is actually kind of where I think the health of the commander format and i think it's taking the almost the applications of you know pro magic and and tournament magic and stuff like modern to to this format is i think cdh is really really healthy for commander and when i say that and i i we're gonna have jim from spike feeders on because i, I want to have more of an in-depth conversation with him on this subject nice. matter Love um jim. okay he's extremely the great if you guys don't watch spike feeders content you should definitely do it <laughs> um like on the mic videos are some of the best uh format meta discussions that you can watch on youtube yeah, yeah. Uh, and and they, they treat commander like we treat modern right where it's there is a structured power level conversation of what's viable what's not but we also want to have a conversation on like oh you want to make a lich lich work in yeah some, sometimes they do deck, that? deck text better know a combo but like especially the spike on the mic videos they talk about serious issues with the format and they give you good uh vocabulary so that you can have discussions with yourself and your own play group right. uh where you may not have been equipped to have those discussions in a productive manner before so anyway but yeah so uh, as i was saying with C- uh, cdh and a preview for that conversation is before the conversation of CDH existed, right? Like really pre-Reno, because Magic Fest Reno, I think, is like literally when the switch kind of switched over. Before that event, like people would you like refer to CDH kind of as a joke. But like kind sure. of since then and since COVID had happened, and with a lot of work from people like Jim and Hermit Druid and um Brent Rebel, uh, uh, Rebel and Braden, uh and, and playing with power mental, and mental mental misplay. Misplay. Mental misplay. Yeah. Like all of these 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 channels have done a really good job of like showing like, no, there's a constructive reason this format is cool and should exist. And yeah, the there's is, been a, is a huge explosion of CDH content right. over the last couple of years. And and it's it's been interesting watching my friends who are much more casual focused be like with a reaction to it, because a lot at the beginning were like, no, 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 we're 
And it's kind of Wizards' reactions to modern metagame data and how they pulled away from it, which is like, oh, no, there people are talking about how to be the most powerful ever, which is going to make the the entire format more spiky, which is going to make it so these decks are too powerful. When from my perspective, what I've watched happen is, oh, no, the players who wanted to be that this whole time, the guys I didn't like playing with at my local game store because they were like on Reddit looking up metagame lists and were just playing with like, in the randomized commander pods, because that's all that existed against my like weird homebrew that wasn't at that power level. I got stomped on. I'm like, oh, this sucks. This guy's like, you know, doing what I want to be doing in modern. But here now he has a way to communicate that that's what he's looking for. He can be like, hey, Heidi, Ho, the store I'm at, can you create a, a CDH pod? Just have people sign up for that separately. This is like this is what I'm trying to do. And now there's a formalized conversation on what that is. That is a different point from what other things are. And yeah, even if and I, now the meme is, ha ha ha, Kess, I can't believe you're building Plargy CDH. Right, right. Or or Rebel posted a like Bruce Tarl Simic monstrosity Thrasios. with Thrasios and uh, Coma and what's the Com- red green Kamal. Kamal and what's the red green werewolf from Shadows of Rinistrad? The legend. Uh, Ulrich. He, Ulrich was in play. He was a card that was in a CDH right. game. <laughs> and I believe Ulrich was in play in a is, CDH game. That she is, is incredible. Insane. <laughs> the coolest thing I, I want to play more games with Rebel. I got to play two <laughs> games third in Vegas. Uh, it's wild. Um, and, but yeah, so and CDH. The, I mean, spoilers being... for the VOD, which the VOD exists. She won both games. <laughs> there was not spoiler even alert. Like, spoiler alert. <laughs> for for uh, games that happened uh, two weeks 48 ago. hours ago at this point. But yeah, so. so um... But yeah, so CDH is much more clearly defined than it used to be. And from what I, my limited understanding of the CDH meta, it seems like it's in a pretty good place right now since. The flat, the ban of flash, like I think, 50, I think 50 content creators are like it would be better with Oracle band, right. but there's definitely not like nowhere near what flash had of yes, like correct. we desperately need this card banned for the health of this format or we might die off completely. I think I think Thoracle is a net negative to the format in the way that Splinterton is a net negative to modern, which is a take on this podcast that is going to get comments. Great <laughs> <laughs> uh, relevance. Uh, and maybe is a bad example because people are more on the line of uh, Splinterton being unbanned. So I think Thoracle is a net negative on the format like hogak is nope it's it's like it's like splinter twin it really is i mean and i have i have new opinions on splinter twin which i think is interesting and i was going to try having them on but they were busy for uh december uh but aspiring spike i believe it was and then someone else did a series of testing where they played birthing pod versus uh, uh splinter twin and right now those decks are legal on on uh, moto so next week hopefully a conversation will be being had on how that event went but um the consensus kind of was that like oh going into it they thought birthing pop was going to be worse and and splinter twin was going to be more more fun to play again or like was like totally fine to unban and then leaving the conversation they were like oh ragavan exists and playing ragavan yeah. into splinter twin is terrible <laughs> like powerful right like right playing, right, right. playing your t- like there was always a joke on like, how can we make Splinter Twin more powerful? Oh, if I draw two Simeon Spirit Guides, I can go off a turn earlier or whatever. 
Now Rock Punch just exists as a card that lets you do that. So you're now winning on turn three, turn two, and some speed, right? And, 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 but more importantly, this is what Thassa Oracle does to CDH2, or, or Commander in general, is it is a threat that always exists that makes it so I cannot interact profitably with any other threat because I always have to be worried that that's actually the threat I need to be worried about answering. And that's the problem yeah. with Splinter Twin is Splinter Twin gets to do whatever it wants because you have to always you are basically have to discard a card your best removal spell if you don't have a removal spell you lose and if you do have a removal spell you've basically locked it into a bucket that cannot be used until they try and combo off otherwise you lose and then if they draw enough cards you need to have a second one for the counter spell that they have and a third one for the next counter or the next piece of interaction that they have or the next redundant copy so it it forces the format at instant speed level like splinter twin has gotten better counter spell and ragamon exists the interesting thing, though, is that Birthing Pod was probably fine. And they were playing it in the Yagamoth deck, which is like the best possible deck for a Birthing Pod. And they were like, oh, this is good. This is better than Eldritch Evolution, but it's not that much better because it costs four mana versus three mana to activate. I lose four life to do it at that point versus no life in a format where that is relevant. And there is now like seven different removal spells that are all easily heavily played that get rid of it. Birthing, birthing pod is is uh the card that like they ended up being like oh this card's fine when going into the testing and, and I'll, I'll i'll have michael if i if i fail at finding the link for this just everyone tweet at michael uh duttered uh, at duttered one i believe on twitter uh and he'll he'll give you the link to the content that existed i believe it was an aspiring <laughs> spike who made it i'll look on twitter just to confirm um, um. But yeah, so so I think Thassa's Oracle has that same problem that Splinter Twin does, right? It makes it so that I have to always be worried about this card. And my issue with Thassa's Oracle is two additional fold. One, I think it's actually showing up in casual games of Commander more than Flash ever did, right? Right. Like I, 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 I've heard uh, enough of that to be concerned, but not necessarily enough to convince me that it is in desperate need of a ban. Correct. It's it's not currently affecting the format at the way like Golos was, like or right. or like other cards that like everyone's like, oh yeah, that's probably the right idea. But it is not not showing up there. Like Flash right. wasn't right when you banned Flash. Flash. It was a exclusively CDH concession. Yeah, Thassa's I think Phil is the only person I've ever heard of play a casual Flash in Phil, my entire life. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then Thassa's Oracle is not. The other one is Thassa's Oracle is easily replaced, which I think is actually a benefit. People always argue like, oh, but if you ban Thassa's Oracle, they'll just play Lab Maniac, except Lab That's Maniac good. is killable with Lightning Bolt. <laughs> it is a permanent. You can once you remove the permanent, the effect goes away, which right. is good, which is not true we of Thassa's Oracle, which wins on the stack where only one color can interact you playing cards that you would generally play every time you say like only one card that can interact everyone brings up every other random like yes uh torpor exists and white has torpor orb bond creatures and those do also interact but a you can remove those permanents before you go off which is not hard to do but b um those are weird cards to be playing <laughs> that if the metagame is being warped so thoroughly that torpor orb is a like, like also, are you saying that every CEDH deck should be playing Torpor Orb? Because that sounds like a bad format. 
You don't like torpor? We actually, weirdly enough, <laughs> back to not, modern. Not because of what torpor orb is, but just like yes. every deck has to run torpor orb sounds it's like bad. a bad form. Yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 someone brought up that if you can you name a not, uh, it was like a green and black card that is not an artifact that can stop Thassa's Oracle from happening. Like, is there a card in Marin that can do that? The, the answer is no, I, I believe. I, I think like other than I don't like think there is, yeah. is a, I like was my response <laughs> or like that. One Did you say black... that saying like maybe I'm wrong and will be roasted <laughs> in the comments inflection? Oh, it definitely can't stop it. But the timing of it has to be very, very, very perfect. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You can just shoot out that thought season and just whiff. Right. Right. And then or get something else. But like. All right, congratulations. But also, yeah, anyway. Please thought season me in my cast deck. I'll gladly remove two of your life and have any card I would like in my graveyard. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, so... It would be a net positive to ban Thoracle, but it's probably not at the point where it needs to be banned. Correct. And and your point, your point stands, right? Like, CDH is pretty extensively healthy. There's a lot of cool stuff people are doing in it. Uh, yeah. If anything, it's getting cooler all the time. The fact that Rebel was able to do that and I'm like working on a Plarg CDH deck is like cool. Which um, is hilarious. Yeah, Plarg's so he's a two mana card draw engine. How could he not From be From what little I know about CDH, all, all of the things that happened in that game are objectively hilarious. Yes. Yeah. Well. And again, my knowledge of CDH <laughs> is very limited. So, like, I get that Plarg is like a two mana draw engine, but also like, oh no, no, it's, no, that like it's, everything was hilarious in those games. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, too, I like kept a one land hand with an enlightened tutor that I then was going to tutor for mana ramp so that I could then play my three drops and then drew a land and so got distracted by the fact like, oh, I have two land now. I don't need a third. I don't need any more mana ramp. I'm fine because I have these two lands and this lotus petal. So instead, I got. Uh, what's the three mana artifact that makes everything cost three? Trinosphere. I got Trinosphere. I played Trinosphere with that Lotus Petal and then realized that I only had two you lands only had two for the mana. rest of the game. <laughs> you, had, you only had two lands to cast your three mana commander. So I didn't do anything uh, for that first game. That was fun. Like I am going to, we're going to have CDH back and I'm going to play Plark again because I didn't really play Plark. And the second game, someone played Draft Magistrate on turn two and I was like, Need more ways to answer Dranth Magistrate, apparently, uh, according to my deck, who needs a card draw discard engine. It was sad, too, because I got Squee, and I was going to like have Plarg and Squee going on in CDH, That's a which engine. Is, was going to like blow people's brains open. Instead, I was just like casting Squee to block Ulrichs that were attacking me. Which, again, is objectively hilarious <laughs> that the, the werewolf commander nobody wanted is now featured in CDH. Yeah, content. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, it's like it fights every turn and CDH is a format where people don't do things on their turns a lot of the time because it's all instant speed interaction. True. So he just like gets the flip back and forth all day long, uh, which is scary. Um, that's something also that's interesting about that metagame is it has shifted uh, Hermit Druid Nathan uh, Jones, uh, who I believe is the most followed TikTok magic creator, but it's because he does chef content and D&D &D content. Uh, he he like really popularized mer like attacking people like mm -hmm. being aggressive he like in in uh in cdh because like for a long time people weren't really doing that 
But the lesson right. kind of learned was because ad nauseum is such an important feature to the format, if you're able to lower people's life total, their ad nauseums and their necropotences don't work anymore. Way or less near, good. Right. You're not drawing 13 cards. You're drawing six cards. And that's seven cards they don't get to see, which is super relevant. And like, so there's a he, he's done. <laughs> Not Kaikar. What's the blue-white comp- uh, partner bird? Ishai. Ishai. Uh, Ishai. Ishai Jeska is like one of the like now main Jeskai CDH lists because Jeska is yep. a win condition if you go infinite with infinite mana and you right. get the right colors. You get blue, white, red and so you blue and red, which are two of the good ones. And the white has some of the best hate cards in the format. And Ishai just attacks people and Jeska makes it a, you know, a 21, 21. If you get it to seven, you just win, right? You just kill one player instantly. So it like gives you all those advantages, but then you're able to do CDH things. And that like a year ago, that wasn't really a card comp. Like people would be like, wait, why are you attacking people in this format? That's not how this works. And it's like, oh no, there's ways to win here. Almost exactly a year ago, Jessica came out. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but even like before that, like cuz there's other aggro commanders right, that yeah, yeah. aren't brand new. I, um, sure. But yeah, like I I am aware of the idea within CDH that combat is less relevant as a win con outside of like now Ishai Jessica and also the established Najila deck. Or like Winota, right? There's like things that do Winota, yeah. Well, but I, I I guess my point is that it's it's but now, like you like you said, the prevailing wisdom has shifted to you should attack people when you're able so that life as a resource is less accessible. Like in CDH, I would say combat is more relevant than regular commander. I would agree with that. Like regular commander does end on, on attacks like that happens and people attack. But a lot of the times it's like, oh, I should attack. I guess I'll attack some person at random or, oh, I've built my board state so big that by attacking everyone, they die which is basically just combo killing people with permanence versus like, Oh, I'm going to be aggressive against Carson because he's on black and I want to make sure his ad nos is worth less based on the cards. I know he has in his deck, <laughs> which is like good. I'm glad that combat, I like want more combat to, as yeah. much as I jokingly joke that I don't want any combat to happen. Cause I don't want people attacking me and I don't want to attack anyone. I think formats are better for, when combat yes. is good. Exactly. Every, every magic format is better when combat is relevant. Exactly. So yeah, I think, I think like, I guess, and I guess the last conversation I want to have is modern horizon. So one, two or both. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so this go. attitude, this attitude, especially, you know, prof was on this podcast and was like modern horizons is what this format is. Now, you know, you have this rotating format that comes out with these two powerful sets and this statement isn't necessarily untrue in the sense that like, obviously, Modern now involves you needing Urza Sagas, Raghavans, Murktide Regents, the Five Elementals, and a slew of other really powerful cards that came from that set. Are and those all sets five were, relevant in Modern? Uh, yes, though the black and blue one are the least relevant. So, so the white, the white, the red, and the green one are just all blatantly staples. Um, the yeah, blue one, the blue one is next, uh, partially because it is good in the ele- like it's in the right colors for like elemental decks, and in general is like decent. A creature counterspell is okay, uh, except right. it is also, and we talked about this when Nikachu was on the podcast, the Frost Titan of these five elementals. Hitting your opponent's elemental with your subtlety is backbreaking. <laughs> Because you've now bounced their thing on top of their deck. You've put them down one card. 
you've put them down now two cards. And if you can cast your thing for four, you're like really ahead of them. So you're able to answer their solitudes and you're able to answer their their things in a way that so it like has that beneficial effect. Grief uh-huh. is by far the worst one. The the thing that grief is seeing playing the most are like ephemerate decks that are just in black and white. Sure. Like the reanimator deck or whatever, where, where you it's... you evoke the the grief and then you flicker it with the sacrifice trigger on the stack. Correct. So now you have like a a free three two with Menace. Right, right, right. And and that thought seized them twice. And right. right, like that's that's where it's like power level is seeing the most play. It's in the reanimator decks more because most of the other black white decks are Luris decks. That one isn't one necessarily, right? Like you you have to be playing black. In a deck that doesn't want Luris, which is often going to be something that's that that's why it's a little and it's a weirdly positioned card. Me like going down two cards to get rid of your one card isn't really that amazing often. More often than not, not really. No. So you need to like a be doing something with it like ephemerate and b not wanting to play Luris, which is why there's like two decks that do want to play with it and those decks are cool. Um, but it's definitely the least amount of play being seen. Um, that tracks. Yeah. Versus like subtlety, which also is really good with all the cascade decks as well. So like because it's a interactive spell that's for four mana. So cascade goes spells go by it, but also plays well with um, the other good cards like you play with because those decks now play like fire and ice and they play um, the fairy uh, brazen borrower brazen borrower. They're playing brazen borrower. So you're playing all okay. these like good blue interactive spells. Yep. Because adventure and double face cards work really well with Cascade, as do yep. the pitch elementals. So that's why those decks are playing those. And right. and yep. so the subtlety is the third, mo- fourth most played. Endurance is like just generically one of the better cards in the format. And then the white and the red one are actively backbreaking. Ends up that Fury is good. <laughs> uh, and so is uh, thought you know Solitude. So what are you gonna do? But yeah, so like um... like all these cards from Modern Horizons two are super important. Modern Horizons one added. You know, Urza and Force Negation and Hogak. Uh, Ho- well, well, like past more, more what, what's legal now, right? Because yeah, right, I think we've established cards will be printed in every set, and some once in a while they'll need to be banned. And I don't think that's bad. I think it's bad when Wizards doesn't do it quickly. I agree with that. Yep. Um, I used to kind of track standard, and there's definitely that attitude around Elrond's Epiphany. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In standard, where like, is this is this really what you want especially your top echelon of professional play to be? Especially now, where standard is cheap, and by that I mean it's like it's arena, right? It, like in store, standard doesn't exist. So, I think there needs to be a like if I were to ban, if I'm banning all runs opinion, it's fine. That card isn't a deck with a bunch of other good cards that owning those cards are fine. But if I'm banning a card that like. I don't have good examples because I don't pay attention to moderate like anything on arena. But like if I'm banning a card that's like a piece of a deck that all the other cards in that deck are so specific to that deck that once you ban that card, the deck no longer sees play. So I've now wasted a bunch of wild cards on bad cards. What about the cat? Great. Uh, like didn't oven see play still after cat was banned. Like the sacrifice decks were still seeing play. They still saw play, but I know the cat ban was pretty. Winota maybe is a good example. Revelatory. When it was banned or restricted or whatever, or fires of invention were like a bunch of cards that you don't need to play. Whatever. Yeah. I don't we don't need an example. The, the idea anyway, being... there's a long list of long list of cards that they <laughs> they banned over the course of the last two years. Yeah, if, if you if wizards are banning a card on arena, 
there should be some level of like here's a bunch of stuff that like or here's here's more wild cards than just one because we realize that your entire deck has been decimated and like all of the wild cards you spent to make this deck don't work anymore i think there needs to be a realization on that the other answer i think is nerfing and like i like it would be i i Part of me would not be surprised if Wizards just decided to start nerfing and 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 like separate creating a separate standard environment and a standard functional errata like, on cards on arena. Yeah, like like on arena because this these cards on arena in this version of standard that we'll create will be slightly different. You'll have you'll have like they definitely tried it. Um, there was one there was one event where it had like Uro and Field of the Dead and Teferi and Oko, and they all just had their dials turned down a little bit. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, so they had that event where it was like, these cards you cannot play in any competitive arena format. They've been banned out of every format that you could play on arena. So here's some more fair versions that you can use for this event as like a test yeah um yeah, yeah. well and they did they did their arena only cards too right like they did they have arena stuff only from cards. start with uh uh that like the mechanics could never be printed in paper not even just right like, yeah where they're like create a random card in your hand yes right that, like heartstone mechanics like so yeah i would not be surprised if, especially now that you're saying that they've tested it i would not be surprised if within the next year we see like some amount of like Oh, this card's a problem in standard on arena. It costs four because like arena standard does not exist in paper play. I think like right. the future of paper play is pioneer and modern. In fact, I think pioneer has a higher chance of coming back or a format like pioneer coming back more so than I did three months ago. And there's I also a good chance that pioneer makes it onto arena fully. Yes, though. I like you'd have to s- Arena is such a mess with historic. Like, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe it I works. Agree with that. Like, it's so like it's so hard to tell what cards are on arena and what aren't now. But I would, yes. yes, would not, su- I would not be surprised if they started just like micro editing arena cards and being like, you know what? Instead of having to ban this card so this deck no longer is viable, it takes four cards for or like faithless looting only discards one card or draws one card and discards one card. Or all runs epiphany can't be foretold or cost nine or doesn't make any birds or like exiles itself, right? Doesn't it not exile itself? It does. It does. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, yeah, stuff like that, right? Put in put in different effects that would make that card worse. I and Yeah. I have mixed feelings about that. Like doing it in a format that's not relevant in paper anymore, like standard, um, is probably pretty harmless, but I still have big reservations about them having functionally different versions of card of two different cards with the same name. Sure. Sure. I I think that's a, that's a weird thing that I'm still struggling to wrap my head around. Um, Would you want it to be? What if it changed the like, name? What if it like, what if the, the arena one was like all runs epiphany two? <laughs> <laughs> all runs really all runs like all run all runs bad epiphany <laughs> all runs epiphany but worse yeah all runs thought brain brain blast 
Allrun's brain blast, and they give him more hair. Allrun's like brainstorm, and it's like him in front of like a whiteboard in an office with a bunch of like circles around a cloud drawing and a marker. Are you volunteering (laughs) to make this art cast? Yes, I will. I will. I will Photoshop. If if people comment it below, I will make this artwork for them. (laughs) Make it happen, people. (laughs) I will. I will. Um, I would be a lot more okay with it if they changed the names of the cards so that they were they did not have a paper version that was functionally different. Okay. Okay. Cause that, that's the line, right? Like you have a card that does one thing in paper and something different in their, uh, primarily featured digital client. Right. Sure. 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 That's weird in and uncomfortable for me. I know a lot of people have proposed that, but like, yeah, you know, no, that, I think, I think, I think that's, a this solution. is where I'll be a boomer. <laughs> well, and like, that's, that's a big line, right? Like once they start, if this hypothetical future happens <laughs> or in this one event did happen, start right. releasing yeah, and, like, and like one-off events is a totally different thing than right. like standard format features field of the dead. And now instead of seven different lands, you have to have 11 different lands. Is it weird names. that standard is then just a dead format in paper? Like, d- does that kill standard? Paper I standard. Think, I think that firmly kills uh, sub- significant uh, paper standard play. Yeah. Not that it's like currently doing anything to begin with, but like right. there's an argument that it already has been murdered, but like. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if standard I, in paper survives if that happens, I guess. Follow-up question, does Wizards care if Paper Standard dies and Arena Standard reigns supreme? I don't know if they do. They, it's not like Paper Magic is not selling for every other format. Modern, right. proven successful. Commander, more popular than it's ever been and is now the driving force of Paper Magic like, purchases. Uh, I think Mark Rosewater might be the only person who's not wildly enthusiastic that Commander is the most popular Sure. Format, like even even like pro like well pro players aren't right. Like I guess like that's another people that are like oh I used to grind pro play, but if modern just becomes their format, a lot of them won't complain, and some of the ones that didn't like modern before might complain. But like this was a point about that Nikachu made as well. The elementals have actually offered a lot of really good interaction to the format. Like the 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 complaint with the elementals is that it's like five forty dollar plus cards. That now exists in modern that like every deck is playing some amount of probably. But right. on the other hand, the format is significantly slower now that you have force negation and solitude and fury just slowing every deck down, which I think is a yeah. net positive to the format. Like the the opposite end. Yes, Raghavan into Splinter Twin now exists, but also solitude and force negation exist. Yeah, I, well, I guess force negation does stuff on your turn, but you can counter the 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 the, the other half. But yeah, so like. I think Raghavan is probably a net negative to most non-commander formats. I don't agree, actually. Weirdly enough. Really? Yeah. I think Luris is. I think they should just ban Luris. Do we want to talk about Companion for a minute? We we can. Let's finish on Raghavan. (laughs) Okay. I I think Raghavan is... Like, very obviously the best card in the set. I think Wizards knew it was. I think its goal is to be the new Tarmogoyf. I think they saw that Tarmogoyf was a $20 card. And I think that, like, Modern is allowed to have a few $70 to $80 cards in it. It always has. Like, anyone who's like, oh, Raghavan's so expensive. I'm like, well, Tarmogoyf was $80, $100, $120 for a long time. Alongside $80 was, Liliana's. 
Yep. Uh, Goyf was over 100 for the first two Modern Masters sets at least. Right, right. And and the second one, the first and second Modern Masters set actually made it go up in price. Because yeah, people because would open was... one and need four. <laughs> yeah. It was a more visible card that more people had access to, thus more people wanted. Right, right. And so... Like, from that perspective, Raghavan being so... It kind of sucks if you already bought your Tarmogoyfs for $80 and now you have to buy another one, but this is another kind of, like, boomer problem where it's like, oh, back in my day, I got my Tarmogoyfs and now kids these days... Like, and I was able to open them up in packs and so I was able to have them and now I have to, like, either open up these Raghavan in packs, but I no longer open packs or I have to pay... And versus, like you know, the zoomers of magic being like, oh yeah, I was able to open this Ragavon in pa- packs. Actually me, I opened them because I was drafting modern horizons too. And like the one thing I will say is like, I wish modern horizon sets were not as expensive per pack. Like that would be my one big thing. And I actually like, I would not be surprised speaking of like other shot calls. Okay. So that we did our standard shot call and then we'll get to companion in a second. My next shot call is that moving forward, 90% of, supplemental sets will be modern horizon legal i could i could see that i don't i don't think um, all of them i stuff like unstable for instance i don't think they want to be in modern horizons but unstable and then the commander legends stuff that they do so correct. like they'll do alternate years of like modern horizons commander legend stuff mm-hmm, probably mm-hmm. in perpetuity because those are the formats no i think that i think those are about. yeah i think literally you're going to get sets that print stuff in the modern and you're going to get sets that print stuff in the commander and those are going to be yep. the two types of sets that exist. And yep. Infinity proves that point. Modern Horizons 2 did that. Commander Legends did that. The next, the the Dungeons and Dragons set that comes out next year will do the next one. Honestly, yeah. I That's... think it's just every year you get both. I think for now on, we're going to get a Modern Horizons set in the summer. And we're going to get a Commander Legends product in the fall. With like... Some yeah. sort of master set somewhere in spring, where 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 Times Power Remastered was. Oh right, yeah. So so you have you have, I think it goes back and forth. I think like the I I don't think every year is called Modern Horizons. And I don't think every year is Commander Legends. As we've seen, you had Modern Horizons, and then now we're getting Dungeon uh, Lord of the Rings. Right, we're Next. getting the Lord of the Rings modern legal set. Yeah, the Lord of the Rings set will be modern legal, and then and last it is year. The- it is a booster set. It is a booster set. It is a draftable full booster set. Lord of the okay. that yeah, is Lord of the Rings podcast. The yep. last year's set was Commander Legends. This year is going to be Infinity. Next year will be Commander Legends Two, which is going to be the Dungeons and Dragons Commander Legends. Then the next year will yep. be Commander Legends Actual Two. Right, like it'll it'll. I think that's the future of this happening. And I think part of it is because I think for them, standard is now an arena format. And the paper yep. formats are modern and and commander. commander and probably pioneer for the foreseeable future. I, no, I think pioneer. Like it, it, now that we're walking through it, I think I'm back to in this podcast. I went from being a little hopeful for pioneer to once again thinking pioneer is dead. <laughs> Sorry, pioneer fans. I I, I, think, I don't know enough about pioneer to have a firm stance on it. No one does, and that's why it's dead. <laughs> uh, exactly. Um, I do know that. Uh, 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 the professor was more responsible for people like Gavin knowing that the pioneer pre-condex came out than Gavin was. 
I know that Wizards employees thanked Prof for reminding them that that came out that day. <laughs> that is incredible. <laughs> so, yes, I think I think we live in a world where like Pioneer is weird. Well, modern is problematic if the term, if the boomer version of it exists. If modern is only cards that you had to have collected 15 years ago are good in the format then there's a problem for the future of mo- in in the long run the future of modern is harder because it becomes more like legacy right oh i either have to like get them as expensive reprints or happen to already own them to be able to play these decks as a new player i can't come into the format right now if i was a new player that wanted to play modern my buy in is modern horizons cards which is a little bad for people that were older players but like I could build that reanimator deck with Fetchlands I got in Modern Horizons, Shocklands I bought in a secret layer. Uh, the threats will be ones that I got in uh, either Modern Horizons or uh, I think, what was the one with the angel that gets protection from things? It's mostly that the big seven drop Ar- Archon, whatever. The looting effect from uh, Midnight Hunt and like the reanimator cards from that set. Like most of that deck is from the last year, which is fine to me. <laughs> That's actually kind of insane that you say that like 90% of this relevant modern deck came out this year. Which like there are people that are arguing that that is a bad thing, but, and that deck is not super inexpensive, but yeah, I can kind of, I can kind of see the argument where like maybe not the best look that a relevant modern deck that's supposed to be like a 20 year old format is the, the yeah, average card, the same card age is like six months old. Sure. Well, or was printed in the last six months, right? Fetchlands and sure. Sharklands were yeah. all, all. But I mean, but part of that sentence is also like, I think I think the biggest problem with Raghavan is that it's too good in burn. That's you know my like actual problem with it. And I think the problem there is just that like there needs to be easy entree cheap decks for people to buy to get into modern that currently there are not as good a, enough really good ones. And that could be fixed if they just print every card in hammer time into the ground. That's my solution, right? Is like to make modern more affordable is pick like three decks in the format. And like, like if you just like print two secret layers with Urza sagas on it and you like do a, or like you do just do like, like Urza saga and shadow spear and some other cool yeah. equipment. Or, or, or just like Urza saga is the, is the, like the, the F and M promo for a season next year. Like, yeah. or, or it's the GP promo when GPs come back, like just like print. make it a really heavily circulated promo after Modern Horizons 2 leaves print hammer time. All right. The most the expensive cards, Stoneforge Mystic, print Stoneforge Mystic into the ground. I have no problem with that card being cheap. They've already done it a few times. I don't think it would take that much effort to do it. They just printed it in double masters like a year ago. Right. Sigarda's aid is not that expensive. It's 30 bucks. Actually. It's it's Esper Sentinel, Stoneforge Mystic, Urza's Saga, and Ink Moth Nexus. If you print all three of those cards into the ground, three cards I think would be totally fine to do that. Like, I don't think Stoneforge Mystic is that problematic of a card to just reprint a bunch of times. Hammer Time becomes an easy deck to buy the format into. Because those, those three cards together are a total of 100... 200 300 $500 worth of the deck. For, it's just those for cards. For a playset of each? 
for a playset of each or for, for the amount that the deck is playing. And you, you right. take the deck from $1,000 to $500, which is still an expensive deck, right? Like that's not a value deck, but that is a reasonable buy-in for what people are arguing is the best deck in the format. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a reasonable cost to potentially win several modern events. Right. And like... Um, and what, what cards did you say again? You said... Uh, Stoneforge Mystic, Urza Mystic, Saga, Esper, Esper Sentinel? Sentinel, and Ink Moth Nexus. Ink Moth Nexus. Yeah, like make that a secret layer. <laughs> Just like, yeah, easy. <laughs> well, I mean, and some of these were in secret layers, right? Like, like you could... Inkmoth Nexus Ink was, in a, was in a secret layer. I think what you probably could do is just do like do a Stoneforge do a Stoneforge Mystic secret layer, which are like the world or, I think would be fine. It's just as good as the Thalia secret layer. Do arguably Saga, is it, do, what? better, arguably arguably, arguably better. better than the Thalia. Do Urza Saga as a as a as a promo, a GP promo, or some other type of promo that people can easily get their hands on. Do Esper just print Esper Sentinel into Commander products. Just yeah. put Esper Sentinel in every white precon forever. <laughs> and there you go. You did it. And then we let's did revisit. It. Let's like when we revisit New Phyrexia, Ink Moth Nexus as a rare. <laughs> Does anyone complain? Does anyone have a problem with any of this? I mean, like the only issue with this conversation is I did say Luris needs to be banned at the beginning of this whole conversation, which just bring us to companion. We did have a big conversation about companion with Nikachu, but what are your thoughts on companion? I thought it was extremely fun and fine in commander and limited, which were, which are the two primary formats that I play. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I fully recognize that in its original form, it completely ruined every single competitive constructive format in Magic. Ah, and yeah. it is correct that they changed it. I'm glad they were able to change it instead of banning 10 cards in every single format. Um, yeah, I it's think, just sad. I think the I have I have a few solutions. One, you could just ban Luris. Two, you can make companion not work in 60 card formats. Just like decide that, oh, the companion mechanic is only legal if you have a commander. Does that make magic better? I think I think it does. I think collectively that is a better phase. It is a it is a looser change. And then I would make the rule go back to what it was before, which is a little yeah. hard because they reprinted that Lura, so now it's really messy, which I think they never will do. But I like the old version of it for Commander. The other the other thing is yeah, like, the, I want more. I'm sorry, go. I was going to say, yeah, the old version was super fun in commander and the new version is like fine. A few of the command, a few of the companions are still decent with playing with it. But like every time I play my Obosh Jun deck in commander, I'm like, mm, if you didn't cost three mana, you would be cool. And now I almost if think you like, didn't cost three more mana. Yeah, yeah. Three, if you weren't yeah. an eight mana spell, you might be a little bit like you are like worthwhile for this experience instead of like now, which is like, this is more of a meme of what I'm doing versus like worthwhile. Yeah. It's, it's kind of the same for me with Karuga in my progenitus deck. It's like I could pay eight mana to draw like three cards mm -hmm. and have a dude. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've seen Karuga do really powerful things and stuff like Kodama decks, but that's also because like those I decks think are Kodama, ramping and Kodama Kod was a mistake of a that's card. Fair. That's fair. Well, <laughs> I don't. So it kind of. So my thought on Kodama is it's a commander. So I can say I don't want to play against that. It is often a commander. I've seen it more frequently in the 99 oh, decks than issue, in yes. the command zone. That's fair. Yeah. 
um, someone who will remain nameless. Uh, I played against their um, OG Captain Sisse deck, and they they had Kadama. They were like, "Oh, I don't I don't think this is a fun card. I'm gonna take it out of my deck." And then every single turn, they fetched another land to put into play with Kadama, and it's like, "Do you hate it or do you want to enable it?" Like, <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> Well, if you're playing with it, you might as well build around it. <laughs> yeah. Then take it out. Um, um, I know Kristen Emily went on a huge rant about Kadama on I saw that. a couple I saw days that. ago. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> but like, um, yeah, I think, I think like, like the the final thing is like, I think there's a version of modern that can be made affordable. I think you need to have a little bit of a more affordable entry. Right now, it's like collectively too expensive i think part of that is created by the really expensive packs that is modern horizon packs and if they weren't that expensive it's fine i think that like my 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 belief and we have no confirmation but i would be surprised if the lord of the rings set i think the lord of the Rings set is going to be like a dollar more than a regular pack i could see that yep for for two reasons one actually it has to be because it's going to have a license attached to it this is the first time we're getting a licensed booster pack and for those who don't know, in the licensing world, there is normally a somewhere between five and twenty percent licensing fee added to all licensed product. And that is why right. if you were to go buy a Star Wars pillow versus a not Star Wars pillow where everything is exactly the same, the Star Wars pillow is going to be fifteen to twenty percent more expensive. <laughs> and that's just the world of licensing. So the Lord of the Rings set will have that fee applied to it, but I don't think they're going to want it to be the like $8 a pack version because I think they also want it to sell from a licensing perspective as they, much as possible. Yeah. They, they want the set to be successful both as like, you know, the, the Tolkien estate wants the product to be successful from a financial perspective, but also wizards wants the set to be successful from a like, this is the first licensed booster product perspective. Right, and if right, this right. is a bad idea, then all of our other licensed booster products that we're working on are also bad ideas. Yes. Yes. And I, I, I think I think it's going to do really well. I think people love Lord of the Rings. Like, I'm not really worried about it. I think people are going to complain. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of complaints about it. I personally am excited about it. Uh, Lord of the Rings is one of my favorite IPs. It might be my favorite IP. Uh, it's very close to the, let's call it the ideal magic, uh, aesthetic. Okay. There's a lot of crossover there, uh, compared to what we have seen recently with like, for example, the walking dead and stranger things, secret layers, the upcoming, uh, arcane arcane, the arcane secret layer, the, uh, Neon Dynasty Kamigawa set mm-hmm. is supposed to be more futury than we're used to. Um, and that's that aesthetic shift is definitely something that I'm coming to terms with. Yeah, I think like that does like because we've had Kaladesh. I think that has never as long as they don't like change the board. There's a way to magic to make it like yes. fit within magic. So like uh, Mark Rosewater did a questionnaire probably a few years ago now that asked about all these science fiction things. He was like, would you be OK with spaceships and magic? We have the weather light. Would yeah. you be OK with cyborgs and magic? Tezzeret's a cyborg. And Car- Karn exists. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. Cyborgs and androids. We have robots. We have spaceships. We have power armor. 
Yep, like yep, yep. We, we have all of these concepts and there's a there's a way to do them in magic. And I feel like we're getting farther. We're stretching that idea quite a bit. And that makes me uncomfortable. But. You know, this, complaining about. Yeah, <laughs> that I think isn't going to. I think three things. One, I think the more not. Magic secret layers they do between now and the Lord of the Rings set coming out, the better. Because I think then by the time the Lord of the Rings set comes out, it's no longer everyone's mad that this is a concept. We're desensitized to the idea and we're focused on it's Lord of the Rings. Correct. Right. Like I'm no longer mad that Wizards is licensing things because now this is the seventh thing to come out where this right. is a licensed thing. And like. But like Glenn, for example, has like a Volkswagen bug in the background of his art. Sure, 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 That's sure. That's really jarring for me. Fair, fair. But if fair. if you show me if you showed if you took like some random painting of Gandalf, for example, you could just put that on a magic card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's 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 nothing in Lord of the Rings that can't be a magic card other than the names that people like. People are always like, ugh, are you really okay with? And that's what the one of the things the, the like the D and D set was good for too. Right? Was like. They're less known IP, but Drizzt's being in magic is as insane as Gandalf is. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, like th there are people who know that name who are excited. There are people mm -hmm. who know that name who are not excited. Uh, right. And there are people who don't know that name. Yes. And like, I think that the number of people in the third category you named for Gandalf is going to be way less. But the way less than Drizzt. But I do think the category of people that know that name that have not ever played magic is going to be significantly higher. Not that Drizzt isn't that. popular and D&D &D is obviously extraordinarily popular. It's not as popular as Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> it is not. <laughs> it, and so at like, yeah, I don't know. I like, I'm, I'm, I've, we've done that. We've had this conversation on the podcast a few times. I've always yeah. been really excited for the future of magic. I think like all the stuff sounds really cool. I think there's ways that wizards can do stuff better. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what they do. Um, and tying this back to the boomerism topic that we started on, uh, there's a pendulum that swings back and forth. They made a, a lot of really, uh, they made some really powerful sets over the last two years. And now they're in a vein of making, uh, let's say, more fair and more niche sets mm -hmm. that are less obviously powerful. Right. And, well, uh, and it's like a lesson learned. I think I think part of what happened is they launched Return to Ravnica with Arena and it was the best standard environment in five years. Right. Like. Probably. The the sure. Phoenix, yeah, it was like remember everyone was like, yeah. wow, it's insane that Wizards got this lucky that they released this good of a standard format and limited format with Arena's launch versus a year ago when Ixalan was the format and it was so terrible. <laughs> um, and I think like from that high, they were like, oh, we are killing it, and they like just got a little loose with it. They made Oko, they made Eldraine, they made War of the Spark, and then it kind of went like, and, and then the pendulum swung in the opposite direction, and now we're in the overcorrection from that. And I don't think we're in an overcorrection, but I. A little bit I do. I think blood is as weak bit. as blood is, is an overcorrection from food. We are exactly two years and two months from Eldraine being released. And it's yep. not surprising to me that that is the first. Oh, yeah. New blood is a huge overcorrection from all food. three of the tokens that Academy Manufacturer makes. Yeah. It's yep. not a coincidence that blood is 
a strict downgrade from clue tokens. Well, and I I do think I think they've always like well. I don't think I think blood is directly related to food because I think I think treasures and clues. They always had a little bit of a tempered feel to it. Not that they haven't gone on over the line with both of them a little bit way more with treasures, uh, which is my argument for why fast mana is more powerful than card draw. Uh, one of many arguments I have uh, every day. <laughs> yeah, uh, just unban ancestral recall and commander. It's who no one's going to care. <laughs> mm-mm, 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 bad idea. <laughs> why? We can talk about that later. <laughs> um, Real short answer. Unbanning reserveless cards is a horrible idea in Commander. Yeah, that's fair. That's that's maybe the best. That's actually the good argument for it. <laughs> I don't think it's too powerful. <laughs> yeah. I think it is too expensive. Um, I think blood and food are cards that are on paper bad. Food especially is on paper bad, right? Like, I think one of the reasons food is as powerful as it is, is Wizard thought food tokens weren't very powerful. Oh, this artifact token that doesn't do anything but gains you three life for two mana can't be that good. And then it ends up like, oh, no, putting permanence into play in large quantities is good. Oh, no, having artifacts of any quantity is going to make it abusable with other cards. Oh, life gain is actually extremely powerful when it is attached to other effects and it is used as a stabilizer. It's just bad when that's all you're doing. And you've also made support cards that use these things that then take advantage of it. So blood is the like, like, oh, looting or rummaging is bad. But we know that this is good, so let's not make cards that are too good and make everything slightly bad. <laughs> One tier for blood tokens. Um, also, One tier that, for blood tokens. Like, Academy of Manufacture should have included blood tokens. I know that would make it insane. That would be hilarious if they said blood tokens, like, eight months premature. Yeah, that's what Tarmogoyf did, right? Like, so, like... True. Honestly, they did it on Tarmogoyf. They did it on the Surgeon General Commander. Right. Well, they, they as did well. It, like, like, like Modern Horizons was supposed to be Time Spiral 2, right? The original Modern Horizons was designed originally as Time Spiral 2, and then they, like, backed into it being modern legal. Right. So, interestingly similar to how uh, Unfinity was supposed to be a Silver Border set that they backed into being Commander legal. but <laughs> And then, whoops, half the cards are accidentally Black Border Yeah, fine. anyway. Right, right. Yeah, let's just do yeah. it. So... I think that with Modern Horizons being that and should keeping some of that Time Sparrow vibes, it's showing alternate futures and, and some stuff that does happen. Them having a blood token in the set off of one card would have been fun. That didn't happen. Fine. But just saying. Now I don't want to play with any blood cards because I like the deck I want Academy Manufacturer to work We're with. We're making tokens. Academy Manufacture decks. Yeah, that's what I'm doing in my commander lifestyle right now. So I was uh, I was on the fence between Grixis and Jund for a lo- like a long time about my treasure deck, but when I pulled a Chatterfang at Vegas, I was like, that's it. We're doing Jund, baby. Mm-hmm. 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 So we've been recording this podcast so, for two hours. <laughs> Yeah, we have. We sure have. <laughs> so uh, I'm going. I'm going. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, first off, thank you so much for joining, Carson. Uh, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me primarily on Twitter at C Massive Thirteen. The letter C, the word Massive, the number one three. Pl- easy, plus, easy. If, if you want to talk about any of these subject matters, you are a moderator on the RC Discord, as well as Olivia Gober of- Hicks Discord, Tappy Tillclaws Discord. Um. Mana Curves Discord. Yeah. Yeah. 
All, yeah. Many of the discords, at least our Twitch channel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any any discord channel that Alex Kessler owns, I'm a moderator in. Yeah. Or a wizards that breaks things or wizards that fixes things. I forget which one you are. <laughs> I definitely break things. Speaking of which, I have uh, made one of uh, a, a Kess friends. If you want to just like talk about not just modern, there's a Kess friends discord that has all the other things that I do on there that is public. It's called Kess friends worldwide. Uh, we can we'll put a, a link. Discord link in the description. Below if you want to come hang out, out. Uh, like play League of Legends. Vegas. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like also because I was like, I want to play League of Legends with people at large here. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to play League of Legends with more than these six other people. Well, like I was playing at times where like everyone was asleep or or I, it was during the day when people have stuff to do. Um, so if you want to play League of Legends, you want to play Command, you want to play Modern. Uh, it's a place to hang out and have fun and talk about all those things. Um, and then uh, beyond that, make sure to follow on Twitter. If you are a podcast listener, we do record this every week as a uh, we put this on video. There's a video version of this. It exists. You can watch it in video. If you don't know what any of the cards we talked about, we show pictures of them. If you are a video watcher or you're here because you're like, why hasn't my podcast come out in audio format for weeks? Uh, they are, they are in most podcast apps, all of them still, uh, if it, for some reason your RSV, uh, got messed up, you can reset it and it still exists. So definitely recommend to go find it. Uh, if you lost it, I, we apologize for the inconvenience. Um, and uh, last but not least, we do commander streams every Monday uh, evening, 7.30 p.m. Uh, I believe uh, those all episodes will live on the Kess Games YouTube channel, but they are currently being released. Um, I think this episode comes out on Tuesday now. They come out. The stream is on Monday. Uh, I don't know who we had yesterday. I haven't figured out next week out. It's either going to be the play set of people that make this podcast playing Crimson Val Commanders or an artisan stream and I have no idea which one it's going to be yet but if you can't you. decide flip a coin yeah thank you thank you Carson for joining thank you all of you for listening thank you patrons for making this happen uh, thank you for having me Alex this yeah, was a was, lot of fun it was a blast uh, and we'll talk to you next week this has been a production of Time Traveler Media sending podcasts into the future